Good morning, Davenport, Iowa. How you guys doing today? My name is Leonard Jones, and let me welcome you to the fifth episode of the Black Conscience Podcast. I hope you guys are staying safe and healthy during these history-changing times. To give you a little synopsis, the Black Conscience is a 30-minute podcast that features a discussion between me and an expert on a certain topic pertaining to black history or culture. This week, we'll be discussing the prominent groups and leaders advocating for African Americans. And today, I have with me Ryan Sadler, who's the Associate Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at St. Ambrose University. During these talks, I will be asking the expert boundary-pushing questions in order to reach a new level of understanding through conversation. The purpose of this podcast is to educate the St. Ambrose Ambrose community on African-American history and bring light to the many tragedies African-Americans still deal with every day due to the oppression system set up against us. This is in hopes of developing a conscious way of thinking while also informing the community on the tremendous amount of untold history. This is the opportunity for us to move forward through education, conversation, and communication. But enough of me talking, now have our guests introduce themselves. Hi, Lenny. Uh, Ryan Saller here, as you said, Associate Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here in my 25th year here working at St. Ambrose. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate it. Um, To get it right out from going, I ask you the first question. So who are some groups and leaders throughout history that you believe have advocated for African-Americans? Yeah, so there there are a laundry list of people. I'll I'll try to keep it as short as I can, but I can't I can't start this conversation without talking about the likes of of W. E. B. Du Bois mm-hmm. and Booker T. Washington. Um, you know, W. E. B. and this talented tenth mindset of let's let's get the ten percent of African Americans to bring up the rest of us. Let's educate them, yeah. get them going, get bring the rest in. And then Booker T.'s kind of um, really that said. Um, at the expense of political action, let's just create our own. Let's keep separate. And um, and so and that that uh, bootstraps mentality. Um, And then we move to like the likes of of. um, Oh, gosh. uh, Well, well, WB started the the kickoff from his meetings at the Niagara movement started then the NAACP at the turn of the century in 1909. And then you have other things that we fast forward a few years. Marcus Garvey is one of those people mm-hmm. that I that I, I, I cannot not mention. Um, he started that Universal Negro Improvement Association in 1917 that really kind of started this whole talk of black nationalism and what that really means. Um, he also argued for a separate state for blacks and yeah. created a company, uh, the Black Star Line, that was supposed to be sending black African descendants back to a part of Africa, self-proclaimed himself the president of Africa, whatever that <laughs> meant, and um, and so you had you had that, but and then you also had um, since we're at a Catholic school, I can't leave out the likes of the uh, Federated Colored Catholics in 1924. Um, that was started by a gentleman, black Catholic by the name of Thomas Wyatt Turner, who started this organization of black Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lasted to 1932 when really the, the Catholic Church and the bishop said, we're not going to allow um, a black group to become so prominent in movement on the mission. And so they dismantled the FCC wow. and started what, what we know, uh, the Catholic Interracial Council in 1932. That was birthed um, out of that movement where they put some white Catholic uh, priests and lay people mm-hmm. over over that, and so as this movement of uh, from 
um, a group of black Catholics saying we want to do this for ourselves, much like W.E.B. and Booker T. and Marcus Garvey were in. But now we're talking in the church to say we'll do this for you. Uh, we know what's best for you, black people, uh, or at that time for you Negroes, I guess, is what it was. And then um, and then, of course, the people that that everyone knows, you got uh, Malcolm and Martin and, and the movements that they had. And um, and and I and I dare not mention Stokely. Um, Carmichael, who I know we, we're going to get to, but his piece, and he was really the founder of the term black power mm-hmm. and, and really understanding what black power meant. Uh, so that's th- th- that's a little bit. <laughs> no, and I definitely understand. I know people don't really understand like Marcus Garvey's story. I know some people look at Marcus Garvey, like you said, he wanted a whole separate state for African Americans. Yeah. He wanted Africa to um, try to go back to Africa. Yep. <laughs> I know um, one thing that people didn't like, I know he met with the leader of the um, clan at the time too had yep. conversations with them about stuff i know he also had like an intense relationship with uh, he was from jamaica i believe that's right course. born in and, jamaica and then he him and his partner uh flamingo yep i believe they started their own newspaper and yep. then how Flam- how they both came over here tried to start something then yep. flamingo in a sense got involved with some other people and then and since marcus got in trouble and things like that yeah so i know definitely people don't really know the story of marcus garvin yeah. then he got in a sense exiled out of here and yeah yeah went to a whole different place yeah, they started the new world newspaper or something like mm-hmm. that in 1917 and then financial woes i mean it was really poor money management yeah. um is what that and and his yeah. people didn't want to hear what he had to yeah. say either. <laughs> so um, that was going to my next question. Um, when you think of the organization SNCC, so SNCC is the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. What comes to mind? Um, when I think of SNCC, um, I think of 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 an organization that had to be formed, much like today, where we're giving uh, youth. A voice um, in a movement. Be, um, before that, it wasn't. I, I didn't see any. I don't see any large um, talk about youth getting involved. I think the NACP had started some youth branch stuff, but really mm-hmm. nothing really effective in that sense yeah. um, until SNCC came along. And it's this um, again. It's the importance of youth representation. Mm-hmm. Um, in the struggle, in the fight for for freedom, which is which is what we are still in, um, <laughs> and we still see it today. Because if you remember back when uh, Ferguson mm-hmm. uh, things happened, how there was this this disgruntledness between the old civil rights heads who were going in to do things, and then yeah. the newer, younger folks who want to say no we're going to do things our way we've tried things your way and that was kind of the same thing when i think of snick that snick was about in the 60s wow i never thought of it that way (laughs) so um you kind of mentioned it so one of snick's main priorities was to provide aid to those southern students fighting against segregation in the south one example is bailing them out of jail when arrested for protests such as sit-ins or like freedom rides Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um, SNCC never dictated st- the students. They only facilitated, supported, and coordinated them. So I'll ask you, what do you believe made SNCC more dangerous than other groups at the time? Um, st- one, SNCC had the youth leadership, yes. and they were more daring. Um, I think uh, there were uh, organizations like CORE that, that went in, uh, the Congress on Racial Equity that went mm-hmm. in and started some of the Freedom Rider stuff, but SNCC came in and finished the work. Um, and they they were willing. I mean, we had 
college students mm -hmm. who were willing to lose their lives, and, and many of them did in this process, um, to die f to fighting against law and order, uh, which some of our presidents and, and, and congressmen fought for, uh, you know, as we, you know, mm -hmm. in the 80s and, and did fight against drug, but they were willing to die to fight against the law and order practices and policies that were happening at the time uh, because they believed in the freedom for us, one, to travel where where we wanted to across state lines, yes. um, to eat where we wanted to, where we wanted to. Um, if this is truly in America, then why can't I go and sit at this counter where, where everyone else can sit um, and 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 sleep where I want to sleep? And so they were they were big enough, bad enough and bold enough to, to do it. And they had some major victories. Yes. Yeah. So oh, I ask you. Um, so Snake's philosophy was not, like you said, not to groom just one leader, but create leadership across the board with all the students involved. One leader, and you spoke of him a little bit, that emerged from the mm -hmm. pack was Skokely Carmichael, whose Black Power movement helped gear towards the creation of the Black Panther Party. So I ask you, why do you believe Skokely is barely mentioned in history books as for he was right there with Fannie Lou Hammer for Freedom Summer, participating in Freedom Rise, organized registration for black voters, and the list goes on. And just to give an example about that, um, during the summer, I was speaking to my um, great aunt who's from Mountain Bayou, Mississippi, mm -hmm. and so she, um, I asked her just what were you doing during that time she actually told me she was involved with snake and she used to go on different walks and selma and stuff she met so many different people wow. and she's told me how scully was so involved and she don't understand why his name is barely mentioned you know it's hard to say why i think we can speculate but it's hard to say why he is um one of those i guess say hidden figures are not as much yes. spoken of but i think his his movement from um, the nonviolent kind of component um, when um, they 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 lost the nonviolent and SNCC and and moved to to um, I believe it was national or uh, uh, student non, uh, non uh, what was the uh, I think they tried to come in like a national party national yeah so they lost the nonviolent piece of the SNCC mm -hmm. is 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 what happened and so that wasn't necessarily. Uh, too welcoming, yeah. um, um, and so you you have this this the start of this descent of of the split another split in Black America, I guess, because mm -hmm. um, as as SNCC is a byproduct of S uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, it it broke off some of that, and so while again Stokely was um, in my mind, our minds, you and I, I think we say Stokely was a legend. Um, you know when he he started again what now we're seeing in ferguson we're seeing and we've seen in other communities the Lawton county freedom organization okay that was the organization um in that county there after um after the the the, the marches there they started that organization really to put black people in positions of power in political positions mm -hmm. right and that's what stokely did it, he really pushed against the grain and just as we had these struggles in time with like between W.E.B. and Booker T., we continued to have these struggles. And Stokely was on the other side of that because he was pushing too much too soon. Mm -hmm. And that was I think that may be a reason why he's failed to be mentioned. Yeah, he was too he was too early for his ages. 
Yes. Um, so you kind of mentioned about it, um, the SCLC. So one group that is more popularly known because of its widely loved president is the SCLC. So during the um, times of the civil rights movement, how did the SCLC play a role? Man, the SCLC was huge. Um, and I like the way you said that because of its popular leader, um, which, again, if people don't, and I don't know if people really understand because I don't think people have really given the time to understand that Dr. King was the president of SCLC. And he became that, um, you know, once he got thrust into this 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 movement um and so people don't i don't think people realize that that is the organization that really dr king um the arm of that organization is what was used to move the civil rights movement and the sclc was really the arm in the movement the organizing body i guess um that brought us to civil rights uh Act of 64 and the Voting Rights Act of 65. Um, and so that was <laughs> that was SCLC. Yes. I mean, Dr. King was the face. Um, right now we say Dr. King is beloved. And he talked about his beloved community. And we have all these fancy quotes that we say of Dr. King. But Dr. King was one of the hate, most hated men in America during yes. his during his time as well. Um, but they set the ground rule, the, the the ground, the landscape for a lot of the political uh, movement and, and, and advantages yes. that that we um, saw throughout the fifties and sixties, um, and and yeah, and I think it was the reason SCLC uh, was more popular. They did not organize um, individual like subgroups mm-hmm. um like the NACP or or even what SNCC tried to mm-hmm. do um they used existing movements in a community that needed that was already gaining momentum like the Montgomery bus boycott and things there there are already things going on they came in and helped and assisted those organizations so they weren't busy with the, the other pieces of, of trying to maintain kind of this here and that there. They used people on the ground in those communities to do much of the work. And so in organizing, uh, we see exactly from the work that, that SELC did that power comes from organized people and organized money. And so SELC were able to organize people who again already had this this cause that they were fighting for and they were able to organize money yeah. right through a lot of the work and most people don't realize that people like the, the likes of Barry, um, Harry Belafonte and, and Lena Horne were doing concerts in places all over the country and they were contributing back to, to this, this movement SNCC didn't have all of those types of of um, advantages they, they again um, it's important for the for the youth to kind of learn from these old folks that's been doing this, yes. right? You don't have to do exactly the same, but at least learn and work together. Yes. And I know I wanted to go back on what you said too, um, when you spoke about like Dr. King being a really hated person. I don't think people, like I said, of course now they glorify Dr. King with such as, oh, he was such a nonviolent person. He was yeah. real peaceful, this, this, and that. Yeah. People don't realize, like you said, he was hated at the time. Like one of the people we're going to speak about, J. Edgar Hoover, yeah. who used to interrogate Martin Luther King often, yep. try to get try to corrupt Martin Luther King try to give him Cadillacs all different types of stuff but yeah. he never never went and That's I know right. one thing that um, really 
really marked the stage from Dr. King is once he starts speaking on Vietnam and yeah. then the war. And that, and I know that was really not, okay. You could talk about African Americans and the prosperity of African Americans, but once you start talking about how the country is doing something sure. to another country bad, now you start you're drawing a line because now you're trying, starting to step into an international figure role, and you're getting getting too much attention. Yeah. So that was just some, one thing. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask you, um, what do you believe, and you kind of spoke on it a little bit too, what do you believe the difference was between SNCC and the SCLC? Patience. Patience. I think, I think if, I could, if, I only say, mm-hmm. if I could only say one word, I would say patience. Uh, because you give me freedom to say more. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, you know, the, the, the SCLC was, has this mission, had this mission to redeem the soul of America through nonviolent resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in it for the long haul. Right. And what SNCC, what, what, uh, yeah, what, what SNCC kind of saw is, again, it's we see this even in the younger generation. I want it I, and I want it now. Right. And so that's what SNCC was more in. And that's when I say patience. And, and um, the late um, uh, Congressman John Lewis was one of those on the front line, again, for people to understand in SNCC that on the March on Washington, um, he said uh, Kennedy's bill was <clears throat> civil rights bill was too little, too late. He actually wanted to come out and really speak out against it in a more violent uh, and aggressive he had a whole way. Speech, but he he had changed a, it up. He because. changed it because of of respect for his elders, mm-hmm. right? A. Philip Randolph, uh, in particular, he said it out of respect for his elders and out of respect for the party. And so he switched up. And so people don't understand again. So he was a young man. And he was on fire, and he really wanted to come at this. So so to you know, just to give people a kind of a a, yeah. a feel for this difference between SNCC and SCLC. While SNCC started as a again a youth piece to come out of this, so that we have some youth involvement, they really migrated into, and some of it was Stokely, um, into this more. I want it now. Let's. Uh, I'm tired of this this patient long battle <laughs> using nonviolence. Yeah, and I know you kind of um. So you kind of spoke on it. And I definitely grew with patience because I believe the walk on Selma, they didn't join the SCLC. They decided to do their own separate That's thing. Right. And I believe it was like they went to some type of community being terrorized by um, yep. white supremacists and yep. they fought them off while SCLC was doing this little walk. So I definitely That's agree right. exactly what you're saying yep. and how they took two different roads. I believe right there was the in the sense where they took the two different words. That's roads. right. That's right. And and that's where Stokely then, again, so right. So they went went to that Loudoun County mm-hmm. and started working there. So, yep. um, and I kind of spoke of it a little bit before. So Cointelpro, the, pod, the project created in 1956 by J. Edgar Hoover, the first director of the FBI, was made to discredit and neutralize organizations that he deemed un-American. This is a white man that was born in 1895 using his personal bias to enact the law. During this project from 1956 to 1971, the FBI used tactics such as surveillance, organizational infiltration, anonymous mailing, and police harassment. And in the heart of the civil rights SNCC, SCLC, Nation of Islam, mm-hmm. Black Panther Party, and many other organized, I mean, many other civil rights groups and leaders wasn't immune this information was only made available through the freedom of information act because in 1971 citizens stormed an fbi office in pennsylvania and released the documents to the press if those citizens never stormed that office we would have never known this information the project could have still continued so i ask you why do you believe different civil rights organizations were under the lens of j edgar hoover 
Oh, boy. So J. Edgar Hoover would be canonized as um, one, one of the greatest, if not for 1971. <laughs> and those individuals who happen to be white mm-hmm. and who were actually who, who stormed in there because of their um, disdain for the United States mm-hmm. involved in the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. OK. And they 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 uh, came up with the plan. To go in, they said, we know that there's something in there. They came up with a plan. They went in. They got what they needed. It worked perfect uh, for them. And then uh, they began to slowly leak these documents. And J. Edgar Hoover was, be- <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, they had over 200 field agents trying to look and find for these people before these documents got leaked. And especially after the first document got leaked, they were looking for something that was, like, solid. And they found it, mm-hmm. right? Everything that, that we thought and I say we, but black America and... and we saw uh, and we knew it right. and it w- w- was lurking in the shadows. Came to light. It came to light in these documents. So COINTELPRO was one of those pieces that they had to answer to. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the lies to cover themselves up because now these documents are leaked. Yeah. And so while you're right in terms of what you said earlier about when Dr. King started talking about Vietnam... Um, that was that was that was a, a, a no no. But uh, it was before that, you know, that as well, mm-hmm. that things were kind of in disarray for uh, for black people. Eighty yeah. percent of COINTELPRO was towards the Black Panthers. Eighty wow. percent of their mm-hmm. of their um, infiltrating their attempts to infiltrate, which they did, yeah. were successful in some. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> we know that even Chicago, we, they, they were they the when the when the Muslim uh, black Muslim uh, community in uh, the Dr. King and SCLC they were illegally tapped they were legally trying to find people uh, any and every organization especially those that had anything to do with us as a black people that seemed to threaten to put a to pose a threat to the American system and power structure mm-hmm. was under the surveillance of the Federal Bureau of Investigation here in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. That was the issue. You are threatening the power structure and the systems that are in place, yeah. and we can't have that. <laughs> that has been the case all along. Yes. All along. Um, that was the fear, again, from from uh, pre-Civil War, America's you know, revolution to... Um, through, through this period until now yes. to silence the voice of those who are speaking loud for simple freedoms that we were told were put in the constitution of this very American in which we live. Yeah. I think you hit it right on the head there. Um, so I'll ask you this. I know you kind of spoke on it a little bit earlier. You asked, you talked about the phrase of, um, organizing people and organizing money mm-hmm. so i ask you what did this phrase mean to you the phrase organize then mobilize yeah well it's it's hard to put the cart before the horse is what my grandmother uh, would say mm-hmm. um you, you can't do that because um the horse is not going to push a cart yeah but a horse will would definitely be able to pull it and so uh we we have to be able to organize um thoughts be strategic uh, before we go into battle, any team uh, that looks to be successful, 
will have to go through practice mm-hmm. um, and in order to compete um, and to be on the same page. Because without a doubt, no matter if we're on the, uh, the field of athletics or in life or in a classroom or whatever it may be, um, adversity will come. And if we haven't trained for that adversity, then we are likely to fall apart yes. when it when it comes. And so we, we have to make sure that we organize. Um, again, one of the highlights of 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 uh, the Freedom Riders and the SEL and the uh, SNCC and it was was the all of the um, the training that they did yes. to sit at counters, mm-hmm. um, knowing that they would be harassed knowing that they would actually have hands put on them and items thrown at them. Spit on everything. Everything. You got to learn to keep your composure. And how do you com- maintain your composure? If we haven't trained for the battle for the fight that's ahead, we're going to lose it mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so that's organized uh, before you mobilize to, to me. Um, and we, we, we've seen it time and time again in the likes of, of uh, uh, I didn't mention, well, in the, in the likes of, of Jesse Jackson and those who came out of uh, SCLC and this and the and the modern what we call modern civil rights movement. So you kind of spoke on uh, modern stuff. So this leads into my last question that I have for you. Um, do you believe there are some organizations out there today that have as big an, as big as of an impact as SNCC and the SCLC had back then? I think we are more divided right now than we've ever been mm-hmm. um, as a country, as a people, um, as as Black people, Black Americans as well. I think we're more divided than we've ever been. The SCLC, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Christian. It started in the Christian base. And so uh, a lot of the black, it was it was comprised of black churches that were doing the work, right? Mm-hmm. And they had this thing for white churches to join the work, um, um, and as we learned in a lot of the letters from Dr. King from Montgomery, uh, uh, calling out faith-based leaders. Uh, so they had this this moral peace that we all stood on, um, this this basis of our Christian faith and Christian belief. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, the Catholic Church before, you had these things that, that happened and went on in the Catholic Church that kind of um, took away the power from the blacks within the Catholic Church, yet mm-hmm. they were still committed to the Catholicism. Um, so you've had those things. Uh, I don't think we have those... Um, those binding forces as much anymore. Yes. Um, I think there's been with the move away from church as a, as a unifying factor, a unifying force. I think we have a lot of people wanting to do their own thing, their own way. Um, and so we have a bunch of silos working, uh, without any, um, um, ways of connecting one another, even though we are the most connected, disconnected generation, uh, ever. Yeah. I mean, this is the most connected, disconnected, generation ever and so but groups like uh yeah and so i i, I think there's um brian stevenson's uh mm-hmm. thing would, would be close but it doesn't it's not the comprehension piece of sc of of, of those selc and snick yeah. um his equal just justice initiative where he's looking at really going in and and um digging at the heart of these uh black men and and uh and, and, and that are incarcerated unjustly and um and really kind of reversing some of those he's been fighting for years for that the closest thing i would say would be dr uh a reverend uh william barber's uh repairer of the breach and um again and the reason i say that is they just had their poor people's campaign push um here during uh, COVID-19 during, during this quarantine, there's a huge push that they, that they did. Um, their mission, they started in 2015. Really part of their mission is, is really to redeem the heart and soul of our country. 
And so it's this call to this moral center, this moral base, mm-hmm. okay? Really what SCLC was really all about when it first started, what SNCC was about when it first started. How do we return to this moral grounding, this moral base for us? Again, um, us as a Catholic institution, for instance, at St. Ambrose, we, we kind of, I, I always start there in this God-given dignity and worth of every human being. Because um, we're really, it's a call to the, to the moralness of us as human beings and as created in the image of God. And if we can't agree on that, then it's a hard place for us to move. And so I, I don't know if we have a group right now. Again, the closest I would say would be repair of the breach mm-hmm. with Dr. Barber. And I definitely agree with exactly what you're saying about how this generation, we're so connected but disconnected. I believe we have so much information in the palm of our hand, but nobody want to pick it up and read it and actually understand and see if the information is credible, yeah. actually learn knowledge and learn things, yeah. you know. So um, And misinformation is thrown out there, a lot of yes. misinformation. So you may be reading. So then it's all about <laughs> having, learning, learning to be able to um, indicate a primary source. You yes. know that it's creditable and you can actually trust the information that you're hearing. You're not reading something that could be totally biased. That's right. So I definitely understand. Um, once again, I'd like to thank you, Ryan, for joining the podcast today and having this discussion with me. It truly means a lot. And with these continuous conversations, we are taking the small steps to combat ignorance and hate with positivity and education. We are also the beginning the development of conscious thinking through diversity and education that could one day help us understand the philosophy behind people's racial bias way of thinking. I would like to thank everyone who made this possible with a special thanks to St. Ambrose 88.5 106.1 FM KALA radio station, the St. Ambrose Coke John Foundation, and St. Ambrose Cabinet and Administration. I'd like to give one more special shout out to St. Ambrose Black Student Union, whose meetings are held on Wednesdays at 715 in the Rogowski Ballroom, room number seven, straight to the right. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you continue to stay safe and healthy, and we shall see you next time. Have a blessed day.